Welcome to another episode of Commending and Contending, a podcast about how the gospel of Jesus encourages us to live our lives and use our words to commend and contend for Jesus and his gospel. I'm Jonathan Holt, your host, and joining me today is Archie Poulos. G'day, Archie. Oh, g'day, Jonathan. Uh, where has God planted you, Archie? Well, at the moment, I'm sitting at Moore College on the, uh, the floor above our library because I've been here for the last 20 years teaching in the ministry department, uh, which is great because you see this endless line of our students who are training here and then you see them go out and under God's good hand do all sorts of wonderful things. Tell us a little bit about your family. Uh, I'm married to Ainsley. Uh, and I became, we became grandparents just about seven weeks ago. So that's the right. big thing in our lives. Got a little granddaughter named Anastasia, uh, which is lovely. We've got three children, uh, Georgia, who's married to Ben, and then Zoe and another little Archie, because we actually can't think of boys' names. Uh, that, that's who, we married, who I'm married to in, in my family. Uh, I've got a Greek surname, and so ministry really started by me doing a Greek ethnic church plant, which is really where my heart is. I just love to see all the different groups and microcultures in our society have to face up to Jesus. And there's always a place for the sort of church where uh, it's a church for anyone and everyone, but there's also a place for boutique ministries as well. And so that's really where my heart lies. And how has God been encouraging you recently? Oh, thank you. It's uh, uh, it's always an encouragement being here at college, uh, seeing the work of God in our students. So every year, God brings nearly 100 students to us and to see his work in their lives. So uh, one of the things I love, and it happens every year, is the students keep challenging me and pushing around and asking about theology and practice. And so I'll talk about good practice and I say, Justify that theologically, and I, and I'll or other times I'll talk about theological issues, and they say, "Well, what does that mean for the way that we practice?" And so I keep being pushed from both ends, and uh, that is really lovely because as you get older, it's really easy to just be settled and keep doing what you've always been doing. Uh, in terms of reading my Bible, I just started reading Galatians again yesterday. Yeah, you know, all of us, you you keep reading each book of the Scriptures over and over again, but uh, it's something that is obvious, but even in the first couple of verses of Galatians, the way that the Apostle Paul underlines that uh, his ministry is from God, it's not a human ministry, and I think it is easy and it's understandable and even right at times to keep seeing the human component of what we do in our ministry, but it's just lovely as well to hear and to re be reminded and read uh, that the Apostle Paul saw that everything he do, does is not merely human. It's actually divinely orchestrated and inaugurated and empowered by God. So even in the first couple of verses of Galatians yesterday, I got very excited and it changed my prayers for the day. Yeah, that sounds marvellous. Isn't that wonderful when uh, God's word shapes you like that and influences the way you pray? The Gospel Coalition Australia runs on the generous donations of people like you. Regular donations keep our website free and full of excellent resources. You can visit our website, use the green Give button in the top right-hand corner to support us.
Now, Archie, you've been reading some interesting books recently, books that aren't necessarily Christian books, but you found actually enormously helpful. Um, tell us a little bit about what you've been reading there. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I thought I'd pick up a couple of books I actually spoke about this week on The Pastor's Heart anyway, because the Gospel uh, Coalition is about contending and commending for the Gospel. And so one of them is almost unobtainable uh, because it's politically incorrect. It's called After the Ball, and it was written in 1989 by uh, two uh, homosexual men, uh, Kirk and Madsen. They were they are both Harvard graduates. One's a neuroscientist, I think, and the other one's a marketing guru. And it was after, 20 years after the gay community had had their gay and lesbian balls and all those sorts of things, and the title comes from they just had the ball and everybody was celebrating the ball. And Kirk and Madsen got together and they said, we haven't done as much or achieved anywhere near as much as what we wanted to do. And it's just, it's really interesting. The reason for that is that people after the ball were just excited about being able to go and openly express their gay lifestyle. But they said, it's not good enough. The American population still doesn't like us. And we've been going for 20 years. We should have achieved much more. And I think that's a telling indictment on us as well it is not good enough that our churches are meeting budget that we're growing by five or ten percent a year or whatever it might be whatever the metrics we we use the world if it doesn't know jesus is going to hell and what our goal and what our prayer has to be is that the glory of the lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea and so it is not i think we just got to keep lifting our horizons and that's what after the ball did for me our horizons aren't, ju aren't just in my local setting. The horizons are that Christ might be glorified everywhere. Can I rave on for a bit longer, Jonathan? Oh, please do, yes. Yeah. Um, what Kirk and Madsen did in the book was they, I think very bravely, took a really close look at the homosexual community and they had took a close look at the world that they wanted to influence because they realised what they believed in something seriously and so they wanted to change the world, not just make life easier for them. And I think we need to do that as well. What they discovered was that uh, the behaviour of many of their tribe was unacceptable. Uh, and I think we need to be challenged with that as well. Now, you know, the light has been exposed, of course, on the whole Royal Commission uh, into institutional response to child sexual abuse. But there's a whole lot of things as well. There's our affluence. There's our complacency. There's our desire for comfort. There's our middle classness, all of those sorts of things. Uh, and so misbehaviour is one of the things that they saw. Um, the other thing that they noticed uh, was disorganisation. And they said there were all sorts of different groups trying to promote their agenda, but they didn't work with each other. They didn't trust the others. And, and so everything just gets dissipated. And I fear that for us as well, that our churches often act as silos, that as long as we're going well in our church, uh, it doesn't matter how we are, how it looks to our world. And I think what After the Ball did was challenge me uh, to be thinking that our world views all Christians as the, as the same. So we as Christian people think my church or my group within my church or even the service that I'm part of in church, that's what people see. 
but generally our wider world lump all Christians, you know, uh, uh, Anglicans, Baptists, uh, Presbyterians, Catholics, all together as Christians. And, uh, and so there, there's actually one of the things that we need to think about is how do we work together where appropriate to commend the gospel of Jesus for being Christian, the virtues, the values, the changed hearts, the transformed lives is the most commendable thing in the world. And so I think that's what that's what I found very interesting in After the Ball. And so that leads me to to one of the other books that I've recently led read by it's by um, Simon Sinek, who millions of people watch his YouTube stuff. Uh, it's a few years old. It's called The Infinite Game, and he very interestingly interestingly picks up I think some of those things that come that you see in After the Ball. And that is, he says, we are used to playing finite games. He uses the sporting illustration. And we all know finite games, what they are like. We see it at the Olympics that are on this year. There's uh, a set number of players. There's very clear rules that you can't break. And it goes for a finite length of time. And there's a winner and a loser at the end of it. Uh, I think we tend to think that way. And some of what we do is finite. So the running of the Easter service, the Christmas, whatever it might be. There's finite things that go on. But finite games are really about making sure that me and my family are well fed and we're achieving what we want to achieve. They're very manageable sort of outcomes. Did we win or did we lose? Sinek says, though, there is an infinite game to be played that is actually far, far more important. And I think we know that and we believe it, but we forget it. The example he uses is world poverty. Uh, that's not a finite game. That's infinite. It's going to be played, well, Jesus said it, until he returns. There's always going to be poverty, but that doesn't mean you don't war against it. Uh, and so for us, it's the same thing. That is, uh, the world needs to hear about Jesus. It's an infinite game that we're involved in. And the difference between a finite game and an infinite game is... In a finite game, you've got a set number of players. In an infinite game, people come and go. Well, that's churches and church life and even Christian faith. Uh, so the who's in the game changes and the rules keep changing as well because uh, there's, there's no hard and fast set of rules from beginning to end. And I think that's important to hear as well. Our gospel shapes our foundations. But at the same time, our world is changing all the time. And so the rules are very flexible and malleable. And I think that's one of the things that we need to take seriously. And the third thing is not that the full-time whistleblowers and whoever's got the most points is the winner, uh, in a, like in a finite game. The purpose of an infinite game is to keep perpetuating it. That is, the longer you're playing, the more likely you are to achieve that higher outcome. And so how do we stay in the game? So um, I think what Sinek does is uh, help us to see what Kirk and Madsen in After the Ball were trying to do. That is, it's not just about winning this skirmish. It's about transforming our world. Now, Kirk and Madsen uh, became the playbook for how you change a society's way of thinking. I don't want us to pick that up because we actually have virtues that are different. Uh, that won't allow us to do that. And they also don't have the wonderful power of God's Holy Spirit, who always goes ahead of us. And so, you know, we'll be people of prayer, which they never even speak about. Uh, but I think commending and contending. So what they wanted to do was create commending. They wanted to commend this lifestyle. And 
we actually have responsibility, not just in our own setting, but in the wider world to commend the gospel of Jesus. And they helped me to see, too, that the world that we exist in is not neutral. So I think my temptation is to just see what's happening in the world around about me and try and respond to it. They are very clear that you take the world by the throat and you try to change the way it perceives you. And we have that responsibility as well. That's part of our uh, contending, I think, and commending. Anyway, so there's my long ramble. Uh, That's enormously helpful. And I'm really interested in the way that uh, often people will look to secular books to find what's wrong with them or condemn them. But it sounds like you've kind of gone in with quite a different attitude where you've wanted to learn from these books. Oh, I think you must do that. Um, I'm a great... Uh, defender of curiosity. If you're not curious, you won't grow. And so we always need to be curious. Uh, God scatters his wisdom everywhere. You know, so you just read the Proverbs, go to the end and observe, go to the eagle and learn. You know, uh, you know even in, in 1 Corinthians, doesn't the very nature of things tell you this? Uh, so you, you look around this world, you've got to be careful because the world is distorted and twisted and so it will give you false understandings. So you've got to pray the Lord that he will give us wisdom and then learn. Uh, so that, that's what I want to do. As I said, uh, I there are a whole lot of things that both Sinek and After the Ball say you should do that we won't do. But there's really good insights and challenges in it all as well. Is there a resource at the Gospel Coalition website you'd like to recommend for us? Oh, look, you said uh, hit the green button to give. I think the Gospel Coalition website is fantastic. And it's not just one thing that I want to commend. Because of curiosity, uh, I just keep, uh, uh, don't do it every day. In fact, I don't even do it every week. But I look at what's up there and it helps me to, to think, oh, I'd never thought about that. I must start thinking about that. Oh, look what this is doing, because we do get very narrow in the way that we think. And the Gospel Coalition website is trustworthy. And it also gives me breadth. And uh, one of the things that I notice is I look at what I'm not interested in. As I trawl through the website, uh, I don't read everything. Um, and I think, why am I not interested in that? So it challenges me as well to about why I'm not interested. Should I be interested in it? Uh, and so as I go through the website, uh, there's stuff I think, oh, one day it's good to know that's there. One day I might need to know that. So I just park it. And other stuff I'm interested in and it matters to me now, so I read more deeply on it. I want to grow our curiosity. But one of the other things that the Gospel Coalition website does for me is curiosity is not good enough. What that does is it gives me intellectual uh, ascent, uh, how am I being transformed? And so after, if I spend, say, half an hour on the website, I try to think about how have I been changed? How have I been shaped by what I have read? So it doesn't just end up as more information in my brain, but because the website and the articles keep looking at Jesus and what he has done and what God has revealed, It should reshape my passions, my desires, my convictions. And so I'll often end up praying after going to the website. So it's not one of the streams or one of the streams or anything like that on the website. I just keep trawling across it. Uh, But to get the information, 
and also to ask why. why. Why am I not paying attention to this? Why am I particularly interested in that? Uh, and so it's challenging me all the time. Yeah, that's a great tip in terms of self-awareness and curiosity about the things we pay attention to in our lives. Thanks for chatting to me today, Archie. Oh, it's been my joy. What a great thing that God has done. He's bound us together, even though we don't know who's the other end. God is working through his people to commend and to contend for the gospel. This podcast is made by the Gospel Coalition Australia. We exist to encourage and assist Australian Christians to remain convinced of the truth and power of the gospel, to commend and contend for the gospel in our lives and ministries, and to foster connection between individuals, churches and other ministries so that we can most effectively advance the gospel in Australia. 